Have you ever noticed that the lower jaw is not protected in sports? Did you know that 10,800 concussions will happen today? This has been an upward trend for the past 50 years. I'm Dr. Michael Hutchison, a practicing neuromuscular dentist. When my son wanted to participate in football and rugby, I was afraid he was going to get a concussion. That fear led me to finding the missing link to reducing concussions. The fact is, the only part of the skull that is not protected in sports is the lower jaw. If you want to drastically reduce concussions, there are three basic jaw positions that affect concussions and two of them are not good. The correct one is called physiologic jaw position. It will dissipate the force away from the brain. Knowing that, I designed an appliance that put my son's jaw in the right place and as a result, he was concussion-free from fifth grade all the way to senior year. This jaw position takes those 10,800 concussions today down to 28. It's the key to concussion protection. As a parent, this is what you need to know. It's extremely important that the device you are using is on the lower jaw. Thickness of the device is important. Most importantly, it must position and hold you in your own unique personal physiologic jaw position. So if your child goes out on the field with the correct jaw position, your son or daughter will not one of those 10,800 concussions today. Get yours today at powerplusmouthguard.com. Use the promo code POWERUP2023 for 10% off. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by your host, Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. You can follow me on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on multiple music streaming providers, including Spotify, Amazon Music, and Audible. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, subscribe to the show on the Sports History Network. As a conversation starter, you can email me questions or leave feedback of the show at pigskintailspodcast at gmail.com. The soundtrack is provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. Before we get into the story, I have to mention newspapers.com. I use it for my research and I love it because it gives me so much interesting information I would have never found otherwise. If you visit SportsHistoryNetwork.com, we offer a free one-week subscription as a trial. With a paid subscription, you'll be supporting the production of this podcast as well as the other shows. Once again, thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales Podcast. Last time on the Pigskin Tales Podcast, the story of Bronislaw Bronco Nagurski was finalized. He was a brute force in college with the Gophers standing 6 foot 2 and 230 pounds. From 1927 to 1929, he helped the team to an 18-4-2 record and a share of the Big Ten Conference Championship. He then became a brute force in the NFL with the fabled Chicago Bears. From 1930 to 1937, he became one of the greatest fullbacks in NFL history. He was a three-time All-NFL Team roster member, a three-time NFL champion, and a charter member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
1943, he came out of retirement to help the Bears beat the Washington Redskins for the NFL Championship, the third in franchise history. This time on the Pigskin Tales podcast, I'll be introducing you to a man that became one of the 50 greatest players in Cincinnati Bengals franchise history. His path to greatness came from a vision of hard work, passion, and dedication to mastering his talents on the gridiron. Later in life, he became not only one of the greatest 50 linebackers in franchise history, became a small-town college football coach and the town's mayor. story of Jim the Mayor LeClaire. James Michael LeClaire was born on October 30th, 1950 in South St. Paul, Minnesota. According to the website biggestuscities.com, the population of St. Paul in 1950 was 311,349. In the next 10 years, it would reach its peak number of residents at 313,000. Since then, people continue to move in and out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area, but St. Paul is relatively small compared to Minneapolis itself. Now here's something interesting. According to the quick facts of the census.gov website, the current population of Minneapolis is 429,954 as of April 1st, 2020. The current population of St. Paul is 311,504. When you add the two populations together, you get 741,458. What's interesting about this is that the entire state of North Dakota has 779,094. So, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area alone has almost as many people living in one area as the entire state of North Dakota. My mind is now blown. American pop culture in the 1950s was exciting. According to the website Retro Waste, the 1950s was the beginning of the post-war baby boomers. My parents were born in the late 1940s, so this was a decade in which they saw a lot of changes in America. For example, communism scared a lot of good people into a lot of bad behavior. Racism was rampant in most parts of the country, especially in the South. If you decide to look through the Retro Waste website after listening to this podcast, it tells a very interesting tale about how things were back in those days. I, unfortunately, don't have the time to go through it all, but I would encourage you to give it a thought to research. There are lots of interesting points of history to scour. The heart of the Retro Waste website I like to research is the statistics and facts. 
For example, the economic state of the United States was above average, in my opinion. The GNP was $364.8 billion, and the national debt was $257.4 billion. The prime rate for loans was at 1.5%. Consumer products like milk, eggs, meat, and bread were all relatively inexpensive. Milk was $0.21 cents a quart, eggs were $0.72 cents a dozen, a round steak was $0.94 cents a pound, and bread was $0.14 cents a loaf. Let's take a quick break and listen to an ad from one of our sponsors. We at the Sports History Network are thrilled to work with our sponsors and partners. With their support, we are able to produce great content for you. The other cool thing is most of our sponsors and partners offer discounts to pass along to our fans. So if you go to the sportshistorynetwork.com slash sponsors page, you'll find Row 1, Royal Retros, Play Classic, Thrive Fantasy, and Mega Seats. All of these offer great discounts. Specifically at Row 1, you can save 15% at the Row 1 Gallery with the code SHN. The Row 1 Gallery includes over 5,200 reproduced sports history prints on a variety of sizes of wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. The Row 1 Shop also has thousands of more unique items with retro and historical designs dating back to 1876 including t-shirts and long-sleeve shirts, phone cases and mugs, blankets and pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. With Royal Retros, they're the king of throwbacks. They've got jerseys, shirts, hats, collectibles, and more from defunct leagues and other teams in those leagues. From Play Classic Games, it's sports simulation board games. Just use the code SHN for 10% off your first order. From Thrive Fantasy, it's a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. Use the promo code SHN for instant 100% match up to 100 bucks. And with Mega Seats, they're tickets with no fees. You can save up to 10% with the code SHN. So check them out on the sportshistorynetwork.com sponsors page. That's sportshistorynetwork.com slash sponsors. The soundtrack is provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. And we're back. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. As my parents and Jim were growing up in the 1950s, they idolized baseball players like Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. Mickey Mouse was also very popular at that time. As for pro football was concerned, the NFL was doing well with Burt Bell as the commissioner. The Baltimore Colts won two world championship titles with Johnny Unitas at the helm. The Cleveland Browns and Detroit Lions both ended up winning three NFL titles, and attendance was climbing every season. According to the book NFL 100, A Century of Pro Football, The 1950s saw a plethora of teams utilizing the forward pass more often. Veterans like Bobby Lane and Otto Graham refined the two-minute offense. Michael McCambridge, whom wrote the introduction to the decade in the NFL 100 book, 
wrote that the 1950 season started out with a long-awaited reckoning. The Cleveland Browns, led by Paul Brown, joined the NFL from the All-America Football Conference. McCambridge goes on to write about the Browns playing the Eagles in their first game of their inaugural season. He writes, As Brown prepared to lead his team out of the visitors' locker room to try to prove they belonged in the NFL, he turned to his players and said, Just think, tonight you're going to get to touch Steve Van Buren. Van Buren was a late scratch, but the Browns routed the Eagles 35-10 and served notice that they would be a powerhouse in the NFL. McCambridge ended the story of the Browns' first season in the league by writing, Cleveland capped its inaugural season in the 1950 NFL Championship against the Los Angeles Rams. Paul Brown called it the greatest game he'd ever seen. It ended with Otto Graham leading the Browns into Rams territory, where Lou Groza's field goal with 16 seconds left lifted Cleveland to a 30-28 win. McCambridge ended his introduction of pro football in the 1950s by writing about the sudden passing of Commissioner Bell and how the Baltimore Colts winning their second NFL title changed the game for the future. He writes, Bell died of a heart attack during an Eagles-Steelers game in October of 1959. As the decade ended with the Colts' second world championship and protracted infighting over Bell's successor, it was clear that change was coming. Pro football was on the brink of going big time. Time for another quick break, and I'll be back with the conclusion. We here at the Sports History Network proudly partner with 26 podcasts, all revolving around the history of sports. But did you know that many of our hosts were sports history authors way before they started their shows? It's true. We've got Joe Ziemba, host of When Football Was Football. Joe Zagurski, host of Pro Football in the 1970s. Mark Morthier, host of Yesterday Sports. Tommy Phillips, host of Lombardi Memories. And Scott Adamson, co-host of From the 55-Yard Line. All these authors have many books for you to choose from. To check them out, go to our website at sportshistorynetwork.com slash sportshistorybooks. Pick up your copy today! Soundtrack provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. And we're back. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. In the 1960s, Leclerc became interested in sports as a youth in South St. Paul. He gravitated towards football and wrestling. As a senior on the football team, he was 6 foot 1 and 170 pounds as a linebacker. However, according to the Star Tribune dated for November 19, 1967, Jim was selected to the first team all-metro team in the Twin Cities as a guard. South St. Paul head coach Steve Silinoff was quoted in the article titled Versatility Accents All Metro Teams saying of Jim Jim is one of the best linemen we have ever had in the Suburban Conference. 
I know there were times when he was full of bumps and bruises, yet he always played well. The newspaper article also pointed out that most quarterbacks in the conference never felt sorry for LeClaire getting hurt because of the way he tackled them. He used to barrel in from his linebacker position and jump on the quarterback's back and ride them down to the ground. When Silinoff was asked about how Jim earned his tackles, he said, I'd say 40% of his tackles came that way. He did that in practice and some of our quarterbacks got perturbed. There's no fun in being splattered from behind. Thanks for listening to the Pigskin Tales podcast. This story was written and produced by your host, Ross Bliley, edited by Nikki Bliley. You can follow me on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on multiple streaming providers such as Spotify, Amazon Music, and Audible. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, subscribe to the show on the Sports History Network. As a conversation starter, you can email me questions or leave feedback of the show at pigskintailspodcast at gmail.com. The soundtrack is provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. Once again, thanks for listening to the Big Skin Tales podcast. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.